Hello and welcome to the Scattered Abroad Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I'm so very thankful that you have decided to tune in today. We hope and pray that this discussion of God's Word will be beneficial for you and will certainly be able to reach many souls with this. That is our goal here at the Scattered Abroad Network. We are in Season 2 of this podcast, and today we're recording Episode 7, How Can We Scatter the Seed with the Non-Religious? In our last episode, if you were able to tune into that, uh, we discussed scattering the seed with the religious. So again, a, a contrast here, but hopefully something that will help us in today's world. Before we dive into our study, we would like to encourage you to go and uh, like us on Facebook, check out our Instagram page, uh, certainly contact us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com, and then you can visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. Uh, with me today, I have Chase, Lima, and Daniel, and I'm excited to, again about this study as we just open up this this idea of the non-religious, and so maybe we should start by saying, what do we mean when we say non-religious? People who who don't actively participate in religion, right? People who okay. don't believe in a higher being, um, mm-hmm. especially maybe people who are are trying to figure out whether there is one. Um, I think those are, those are people who we would really want to start with and say, sure. hey, we have an option that we think is the true, the best option. Right. And the only real option, I guess. Well, and when you say that, you think about our world today and society, and it just seems like from every angle, they're trying to discredit that there is a God in heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got all kinds of different belief systems and views, and even in children's books and shows, it's trying to discredit that there is a God uh, in heaven. So we do live in a climate now, I would think, in 2021, maybe go back 50 years, you'd have more people who would say, I'm religious. But today, you may even have some come out and say, I don't claim any at all. And I think also in a postmodernistic society as well, not only is there no concept of religion for many people, but there's also no concept of an objective standard for right and wrong right. and yes, truth. And uh, although I think you, you would ask many people, are you religious? Do you believe in God? And a lot of people would say, well, yes, mm-hmm. and uh, they might not agree with the concept of being religious or or, mm-hmm. or going through a, a an actual practice of a religion, but they would say, well, I believe in God, and yet I think the number of people who don't even believe in, in God or any concept of God, I think that number is drastically increasing as we become more secular. Yeah, like yeah. the most recent statistics I could find were from about 2018, and about 9% of Americans were either agnostic or atheist. Wow. So I would imagine we could we could safely say that now that's probably at least ten percent. So one out of every ten Americans doesn't right. believe that God exists or believes that we can't know that God exists mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Well the psalmist said the fool has said in his heart there is no God. That's right. And I yeah. think that's powerful. He doesn't say in his mind or, you know, intellectually, but in his heart. At the very seat of his emotions there is no God out there. So that leaves me where I don't have any consequences. I can live. This exactly. can be my truth. That's your truth, but you keep that. So that's that's our society. So as we open this up, how do we, as, as God's people, how do we spark up a conversation? How do we spark interest in, with someone who has no interest yet in God? So th- those who are atheists or, or non-religious, mm-hmm. I guess, um, you won't start a conversation with them using the Bible, right? Because yeah. they already don't believe God. Mm-hmm. You bring up the Bible, they usually say things like, "You're using the 
Bible to prove God. You know, don't don't believe the Bible. Right, right. And so our approach then must be apologetics, right? Sure. What are the things that surround us? Psalm one nine, uh, Psalm nineteen, the heavens declare the glory of God. We we have to use apologetics, logic, uh, true science, right? Because we right. have evolution and macro right. and micro evolution. Um, so we want to use uh, things like archaeology. Um, the evidences in archaeology to help them see that this book is God breathed. It's the right. most historically accurate book there is, um, with its scientific foreknowledge and, and all the, the the facts that are contained in the Bible. So our approach to those who are non religious must be through apologetics. And I think Absolutely. a good way to to get around to that is to strike up conversations by asking questions. Maybe yeah. you're you're looking yeah. at the Grand Canyon. How do you think that got here? Mm-hmm. And, well, of course, they're going to explain, well, Colorado River over millions of years. And then you, you get <laughs> yeah. to looking at it, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. You see all the different uh, directions that this canyon has come out. One river would not have just carved that over millions of years. It, it makes much more sense that a flood would have carved it or, or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. How do you explain the, the, uh, the stars in the universe? And how do you explain that uh, this planet that we're living on is just absolutely perfectly suited for mm-hmm. life both right. human and animal how do you explain that and start asking those questions to start those conversations that direction well and Absolutely. that's that's the thing is the bible it claims to be inspired but mm-hmm. then it backs that claim up right. it's one it's, thing to claim it it's another mm-hmm. thing to be able to back it up so yeah. like the water cycle ecclesiastes 1 mm-hmm. 7 mm-hmm. the, the the circle of the earth look what mm-hmm. isaiah said and you mm-hmm. study the book of job and think about some of those uh, you think about the paths in the sea, Psalm 8 mm-hmm. and you mentioned looking up at the stars. That's what David said. When I consider the work of your hands, you know, your fingertips doing that. And so that's the thing is is we can't start here because yeah. they don't believe that. Mm-hmm. But if someone can look and see for themselves, hey, there is a world out here. I can see that beautiful sunset or that sunrise or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. I know that something had to make that. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing can come from nothing. And right. I think most people would agree with that. Yeah. I think pretty much what, what we're all kind of hitting on is that we're trying to convince people of something. Like, if we step back and, and look at this as objectively as, pos- as, as possible, trying to convince somebody that there is a God is kind of a strange concept because it's, it's a being, or he's a being, who we can't see, touch, taste, smell, hear. So none of our physical senses by which we experience everything else that we count as reality um, can can inter- interact with this God. And so if we're trying to convince somebody of something that they can't experience with any of their senses, well, we have to start with something that we can experience with our mm-hmm. senses. So if we're trying to convince them of something that they don't know, we have to start with what we do know. And mm-hmm. so, like what y'all are talking about, starting with nature and that kind of thing, right. we start with what we, we can agree that's yeah. true. Like there there is a universe, we're here. Right. So in some sense, there is a universe. Right. And then we reason from that to say, well, how did it get here? You know, like it, it had to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, whatever begins to exist has a cause. That's it. Yeah. And, and there's a design and order right. to yeah. the universe right. as yeah. well. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that ties in with the, the teleological argument, yeah. and mm-hmm. especially from fine-tuning, which is just the, the fine-tuning of the universe is just mind-blowing. Right. How yeah. It's just finely tuned for life on this planet. Um, it's just insane how it's even yeah. possible. But Well, and we could take this right here, for example. Yeah. This is very complex. Um and so you look at all these dials and all these buttons, you say, man, that's amazing. That's an intelligent design. Well, what do we understand? 
somebody, as intelligent designer, designed that. Right. When you look at this world, that's intelligent design. Creation exactly. demands uh, a creator, and intelligent design demands an intelligent designer. And so I think all those arguments that we could bring out, it's just pointing people to the fact there is a God in heaven. And, you know, Romans one twenty is one of my favorite passages yeah. to, to prove that. You talked about being able to see God who is a spirit. <clears throat> Something amazing in that text. It talks about uh, being able to see the invisible. That's incredible to think about, Romans one twenty. Yeah. Yeah. It says, so they are without excuse. You can see his eternal power in Godhead. Right. You see God's glory, Psalm 19.1. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that in creation. And, and creation screams that there is a God in heaven. Exactly. Amen. And I, and I think maybe that's a, a good place we can start with somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, 2019, I went to Boquete, Panama, and was knocking doors. And a lot of people there were non-religious. And this is where I started. We would look outside and say, you have a beautiful country. How did all this get here? Mm-hmm. And to see the, the their eyes kind of open and light up to say, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of always been here. So maybe we can start a conversation with someone by common ground and interest. Mm, yes. We can both see that and agree on that, and then you can build from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one other area in which we can we can start with common ground mm-hmm. and build from there is in the ground is in the the area of morality. Sure. Because yeah, yeah. even though there are more and more people who don't recognize objective morality, don't don't recognize an objective standard, mm-hmm. I think most people in our society actually do, even though they don't realize it. Yeah. Right. Now, what I mean by that is, um, you know, over the past year or so, racism has been a hotly debated topic in mm-hmm. our society, and not not only racism, but all all these other topics that we're so that are so emotionally charged in our society that we would say like slavery is objectively wrong based on your race and people would say that things like self-sacrifice or generosity or love are objectively right and they're right for all people at all times and all places and things like slavery or murder are wrong for all people at all times and all places so if we if we all have this in the same intuition right that all of these things are really the case well then we have to say where does that come from, number one? Mm-hmm. And how do we justify it, number two? Because, like, what if the Nazis had won World War II, right? right? right. And they either wipe out or convince everybody who disagreed with them that what they did was actually good and right. Well, would that mm-hmm. have made it good and right? No. I think we would all say no. But if you remember, think back to the Nuremberg trials. Mm-hmm. After the Nazis um, and, and their comrades had, had lost the war, they're being put on trial. Well, their argument was, well, we, we haven't committed any crime mm. because we didn't violate German law. Right. We set the laws. We didn't violate British laws because we're not British. We didn't violate American. We're not American. So how are you going to convict us of these crimes? Well, the argument that eventually got them convicted is that they had violated a higher law right. when that yeah. was above the provincial and the, and, and the transient. So like, we, if, if we're just saying that the majority wins, that might makes right, and whoever has the most power or the most numbers determines morality— well, then we face that, that question, that what if they had won? And then the question of what if something like that happens again? Yeah. Do we really want to put ourselves in that situation? It would be mob rule based on everybody does what's right in their own eyes right. or whoever they yeah. can join the mob with because they're safety in numbers. Yeah. And they can do some terrible things acting as a mob. Oh, yeah. Uh, really out of fear because, well, I'll either join them or they're coming after me. Right. And that's a dangerous place to be. Uh, as a society, and unfortunately, we've seen some of that in recent years. no doubt. Well, and I think the fact that there is a standard of morality proves that there's a God. Right. right? It it proves that. You can't have an objective standard 
without something that's outside of our subjective experience, there right? You go. Because that's we, a good way to put it. We're all the subjects. Like mm-hmm. if I have a if I have an ice cream cone and I say that, that vanilla is objectively better than chocolate, which you know it is, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the object is the ice cream cone, right? Yeah. I'm the subject. So I'm my subjective opinion is that vanilla ice cream is better than chocolate ice cream. But objectively, in the object, one of them is not actually superior to the other. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Well then, so that's like that's kind of illustrates the difference between my subjective opinion, feelings, right. intuitions, and objective reality. Mm-hmm. So li- li- it's literally impossible for humans, even if we all agreed on something, it would still be subjective morality because it's still in the subjects. Correct. We're in mm-hmm. subjectively agreeing on it. Right. Whereas objective reality says, no matter what anybody thinks about it, it's mm-hmm. right or wrong, it's That's good right. or bad, it's true or false. But that demands a higher right. standard. You Absolutely. can't have it without a right. higher standard, mm-hmm. a higher being. Yep. So really with, with all of that, if we would combine that, point them to creation, to the moral law, those are ways that we can create that common ground and interest yes. mm-hmm. and, and build that, that trust where they're saying, okay, I can see that, I understand that. And ultimately leading them to the fact there is a God in heaven who created this world, mm-hmm. who is the supreme being. The mm-hmm. earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, Psalm mm-hmm. 24, 1. Yeah. He is the one who reigns. And, and again, we live in this society that just discredits the very being and existence. We've got to start there. Yeah. Like you said, to open it up. We can't start here. We've got to start yeah. Yeah. with something that they can see and understand. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. There's one other thing I was thinking uh, along these lines, and – we still need to recognize the irreligious as humanity and, oh, oh, and yeah. they're like oh, yeah. us. And sometimes I think we get to think, oh, I don't want anything to do with them. Exactly. But we do have some things in common with them and we can build uh, conversations towards, you know, what we have in common with yeah. them and we can befriend them and we can talk with them without uh, butting heads. And, and we can, can build those relationships towards mm-hmm. evangelizing them. We don't need to be afraid of them yeah. just because they, they are yeah, where yeah, they yeah. are. I think two qualities that a lot of, a lot of atheists and agnostics share, um, one, of wh- one of them is that they, are, they believe the things that they do, at least partially because they've been mistreated by yes. religious people. True. It's driven them to these, you know, these positions that they hold. So one thing that we can do to react to that is say, I'm going to treat you like Jesus would treat you. Amen. I'm going to treat you correctly and in love. Right. And so that's, I mean, that has to be one of our main, more than trying to win an argument with them. Yes. It's trying to show them the love of Jesus, right? And but, I think that's the problem with a lot of apologists nowadays. They, they yeah. want to show yeah. and embarrass the person, right. the questioner, right? right? You right. see these seminars yeah. where these apologists, they yeah. respond to atheistic uh, right. uh, questions and they they respond to them is like I'm going to embarrass you in front yeah. of this crowd, yeah. you know. Instead of bridging that gap, you know. Right. Whereas even if you win that argument, you've yeah. lost the war. Exactly, yeah. you, you lose a soul. There's no cause. point. Yeah, you may be yeah. right, but yeah, that person walked away. Yeah, not glorifying God. There you go. And that kind of ties in with the second quality I was thinking about, yeah. which is that so many of atheists and agnostics are the way that they are because they've genuinely thought like deeply about yeah. these matters. Yes. Right. Yeah, because sure. a lot of, I mean, a lot of people on both sides, but I think especially a lot of people um, who, at least I know of, like in a, in a Christian society and in many ways, which ours is, especially in like the Southeastern United States, a lot of us are born into Christian homes, you know, Christian in mm-hmm. some sense where we believe in God. We, we go to church at least twice a year, that, that kind of thing. Um, whereas these people have, deliberately most most of the time have gone out of their way to believe what they believe because they think it's reasonable and so what what we would we would say they've reached the wrong conclusions but it also opens doors for us where we can say 
So you, you're somebody who wants to reason through things. You're a logical person. So I want to reason through this with you, right? Mm-hmm. And we can open that door with them together. And I think uh, decades ago, the church did not do as good a job as we're starting to do now mm, apologetically yeah. and, and convincing people. You know, a lot of times it was just, well, just accept that God is, accept the Bible, mm, but they yeah. don't back it up. Right. Well, we mm-hmm. need to back it up because the atheists are using all the ammunition they've got, exactly. and they're using it in the universities and in the media to convince people in their mind that there is no God. Mm-hmm. We need to use the ammunition that we've got and the evidences that we've got to right. prove to people, especially those who are very intellectually minded and have studied this out and have come to their conclusion that they don't believe in God. Right. Well, we need to spend a lot of time and effort in convincing them, hey, there is, and we've got plenty of evidence to prove it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we don't need to belittle or try to embarrass them, right? Yeah. But, but try to help them see there, there is a God in heaven, yeah. uh, and He's given us His Word and preserved it. We can know it, understand it, obey it, and hope for a home in heaven. Yeah. And right. that ought to be our motivation. Yes, uh, and like like you said, to bring yeah. glory to God. Mm-hmm. But we understand that, that sometimes when we, maybe you spark up a conversation, and maybe now they've shown interest, and ultimately we want to say, okay, well, let's study the Bible together. Let's let's open it up, and now that we've established there is a God, now let's go to the standard of authority, which is His Word. But with that, sometimes we may find some speed bumps. So what kind of speed bumps would you find trying to study with a non-religious person? Confusion and division among those who claim to be of Christ. Mm, that's uh, a good yeah. one. That's a big one. Yeah, that's right. That, that is true. Um, a lot of, because they look at Christendom divided, right. and, and they, they will say things like, why would I follow this? I mean, mm-hmm. this guy believes this, this... Even some believers, they don't believe this is the word of God. Right. Some believers will say things like, "There are mistakes in the mm. Bible," and, right. and, and we're like, "No, there no." <laughs> you know, uh, you haven't studied the Bible, and, right. and so they're watching the world of Christendom. Sure. So, so, so exactly, that's one of the speed bumps. There's going to be confusion. Wait, how come he believes God, but he says there's error in here, and you believe God, and you say there is no right. So, right. so they could see that division in the world, and so our job is to help them to put their confidence that this book is God-breathed. Absolutely. Right. And, there, and there are a lot of, a mountain of evidence, just, I'm currently doing an apologetics class, and right now we're just doing Bible and archaeology. Yeah. There's oh, a yeah. mountain of evidence in archaeology that show the historical accuracy of the Bible. And, yes. and, and that's that's the way to, to, to their hearts. You know? That's right. Hey, this is what the Bible says. This is what, what archaeologists have discovered. Right. And and it it confirms, it exactly. shows God was right, yeah. you know, spot on. Well that makes Romans ten seventeen come to life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word and you see how it's all accurate. Whether right. it's mm-hmm. Archaeology, whether it's true science, mm-hmm. it's all mm-hmm. accurate right here. The word. Mm. Yes, sir. I think there are a lot of emotional and moral barriers. That's mm. a good one too. Emotional in that kind of what we were talking about a minute ago. How a lot of them have had really negative and painful mm-hmm. experiences mm-hmm. with people in Christendom, um, mm. and whether it's whether it's a spiritual leader who abused them in some way, um, many have been abused spiritually, but then also mm-hmm. even physically and sexually. There, there are all kinds of abuse. Yeah, abuses right. that have, have that have happened and are happening could be bad experiences years. with religious parents right. or grandparents oh, man, or, that's, yeah. that's all over yeah, yeah. and then well, also moral i mean right. yeah. i think we all experience it to some extent 
Um, but if you're in the world uh, to that extent where you, you're living just like everybody else, that's a big old moral life change you right. know, oh, to yeah. give up alcohol, drugs, whatever you might be involved in. That's, I mean, that's that's a really, really big speed bump. Well, and, and you just have to be so different and ostracized from yeah. the rest of your friends or, right. or the majority of your friends, and that's a sacrifice that's not easy to make. Yeah. Well, and you, you mentioned something. I remember somebody telling me the first image that a child gets of God the Father is their earthly father. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So if there is abuse there, if there is that, then that's their picture of God, mm-hmm. and that's dangerous. And we see a generation rising up. Maybe that's starting to see that. And yeah. so there's that trust issue. Right. Uh, there's, you know, I'm just going to do it on my own and figure out my own way. And that, yeah. that can just really be a, a huge speed yeah. bump that we run into. I went and saw a faith-based documentary recently. And uh, these are not members of the church that produced this. So there, there was a little bit of error in it. But the overall theme of this documentary was good. And it was called Show Me the Father. And I remember at the end of the, the documentary, they were talking about how what you just said is your first idea of the father in heaven comes from your earthly father. Right. And then it had these, these, uh, young adults with these picture frames, uh, and they had words on the picture frames in glass. And it was things like abuse and abandonment and things mm-hmm. like that. And the idea was that's what their earthly fathers had done to yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And it was a stumbling block to them reaching the heavenly father. And I thought that even though this was, um, not a not members of the Lord's Church that had produced this documentary, but uh, even even still, the point that they were trying to make in the documentary was spot on, and they shatter these these pieces of uh, of glass with those sayings on them. With the point being that it doesn't matter what your earthly father did to you, right. you can still find the Father in heaven, and sometimes that is even a factor when we're talking about the irreligious. Absolutely, yeah, and the hope of and the blessing of being adopted into God's family. So we can call him Abba Father. And that's incredible. And the world needs to hear that. Amen. Um, I had a preacher years ago tell me, uh, here's another speed bump that kind of comes to mind, is maybe we go too fast. Mm. Uh, Meet with the non-religious. We want to rush them to the baptistry. (laughs) And ultimately, we understand the importance of obeying the gospel and being baptized into Christ for their mission of sins. Uh, But we've got to make sure that, that we're not just taken off because it might be overwhelming. It's a whole lot for somebody who's never even opened the Bible. Next thing you know, we're taking them to 1 Peter 3.21. So we got to hold on. Uh, Speed bumps are a lot worse when you hit them at 60 miles an hour. That's exactly. (laughs) And the illustration I heard was, imagine having to go into a forest and you can find this little little box that's in there and you've got to find it. And what happens if you just take off sprinting into that? You're going to look around, you're going to be lost. But if you take a bird's eye view, t- take, a, take a step back, and you can look and you can see where it's at, now when you enter in, maybe you can find it. So as simple as, okay, the Bible has 66 books. You have the Old Testament and the New. And I wonder sometimes if we're not careful, if we're just in such a rush with someone who's not religious that we don't slow down and, and, and do that. We, we can't take for granted that, those things, you know. Right. Once you establish, yes, there is a God in heaven, and we establish this, we've got to take our time. Yeah. So I think yeah. all of those things that we've discussed could be potential speed bumps. But with the last few minutes that we have remaining, uh, we want to give some advice to those, maybe who are not gospel preachers, but, but those certainly who are, are children of God, and they want to have these discussions. Maybe it's a, a, a young person in school, and they want to have a discussion with their friend who's not, uh, not religious at all. So what kind of advice could we give uh, to those who are listening 
that would maybe encourage them to have that discussion. You got to get familiarized with the arguments yes. against yeah, God. That's right. right. Um, and one of the ways I like to do that is to watch debates. Yeah. Uh, not so I can be right, but, you know, Kyle Butt does a great job in yeah. the debates he has done. And I'll learn the arguments from the other side right. and how to respond to it. So you got to familiarize mm-hmm. with those arguments that are, that are brought against God and his existence. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. I like to think about apologetics uh, as a type of, type of mansion. Um, it just helps me to think through the, the process where mm-hmm. the, the the lawn of this mansion is where atheists and agnostics are right now. And then, so if we're thinking of the mansion as, as Christianity, the first floor, three, three, four mansion, the first floor is theism, just the belief that a God exists. Mm-hmm. So moving from atheism, that there is no God, to the belief that there is a God. Mm-hmm. Well, then second floor is converting them to the Christian God. So showing them that it's, it's not Allah, it's mm-hmm. not you know the gods of Hinduism or, or Buddhism, it's the Christian God, the God we read about in the Bible. Yeah. And then from there, proving that the Bible is, is actually from this Christian God. Um, and then from there, we move into the more, the more comfortable, I guess, realm for many of us, which is we have this, this common standard of authority, uh, which is the Bible, and then we convert them to, to New Testament Christianity, hopefully in the end. But anyway, that, that helps me to think through, okay, so if I'm, if I'm trying to get them to the top floor of this house, I've got to start by convincing them that there is a God. Yes, And right. you can use different arguments, like the arguments that Kyle uses, different arguments mm-hmm. like that, to, to get them into that level. And then the, if we're going up the steps, we've got to convince them that the Christian God exists. Mm-hmm. And if I'm doing that, I want to use the New Testament saying, you know, for, for right now, I'm just going to say, let's not assume that it is the inspired word of God. Let's just take it as an ancient document mm-hmm. and use it as for what every historical uh, historical scholar accepts it as, even, you know, atheist scholars, which is just a really old book. Everybody mm-hmm. accepts it as that at least. Mm-hmm. And we can use what's in there in that sense to reason from that. So we use that. And then also convincing them that the resurrection of Jesus happened because there is yeah. a mountain of evidence, extra biblical mm-hmm. evidence, mm-hmm. A historical evidence that mm-hmm. Jesus actually did rise from the grave. Absolutely. And if God resurrected that guy from the grave mm-hmm. after what he had said, you know, how he made himself equal with God, and that's right. why they crucified him. If he resurrected him from the grave, that's that's God's personal stamp of approval on his message. Right. So if God raised him from the dead, that means Jesus was God. And that also means that there is a God, in fact, the Christian God, right? right. And so then moving from there to the Bible is from him, and then from there to talking about New Testament Christianity and that kind of thing. Yeah. But anyway, that helps me to kind of categorize and, and moving to the different levels and where to start and that kind of thing. That's a really good idea, concept, yeah. I think. Chase, what do you got? Yeah, I agree with what you're saying there. There's steps to the pro- a process, if you will, to getting somebody from point A to point B right. to point C. Yeah. You don't go from A to C. You've, you've got to build that framework. You're trying to end up in the attic of that mansion. Right, yeah. You, you've got to build from the ground up. And yeah. somebody who has no structure whatsoever mm. of a belief in God is going to take longer than somebody who's already on floor one or two. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've definitely got to keep that in mind. Um, I think we need to pray. Oh, sure. We need to pray very seriously, oh, yes. and we need to be well-studied, which is kind of what you were talking about. Mm. Not only in their arguments, but also in oh, yeah. good Christian evidence arguments as well. Yes. Study the Apologetics Press website. There's all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. yes. at their dispo- at yeah. your disposal there. And so uh, just remember that. And then also I think we need to remember the parable of the sower. Mm-hmm. A sower went forth to sow. Some of it fell on stony ground. Some of it fell on, by the wayside. Some on the uh, thorny soil. But mm-hmm. some of it 
fell on good ground and it came up and it brought forth fruit. And we need to remember that because uh, those are the ones that we're going after and God's going to give us the increase. We don't know which ones are going to be which. We need to just sow that seed uh, without uh, picking and choosing. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, uh, then we're going to find fruit at some point. Yeah. Well, and and to add another word that starts with the letter P, uh, you know, we talked about prayer and preparation. Be patient. Oh, yeah. we got a sermon now. That's <laughs> right. We got a sermon now. Uh, but but be patient with someone who's not religious. Yeah. Yes. You know, meet them where they're at and understand it may take time for them to even, you know, get the concept that, oh, there's a God in heaven. Right. And he loves me. Yes. So yes. much that he sent his only son to die for me. That's mm-hmm. a lot yeah, for yeah. somebody who's never, ever heard that before. One other thing I think we need to, I know we're almost out of time, but we need to cover this. We briefly mentioned that people have suffered some pain with relationships or whatever, but also losing loved ones and things of that nature. Yeah, right. So many people are so hurt. How could there be a God if this happened? Mm, I lost exactly. my little child. Yeah. How can that be? And we don't blame God for those things. We've got to get to the point where we realize that's not God's fault. That's right. Satan's fault, and that's sin coming into this world. That's yeah, what yeah. brought these terrible things to pass, and ultimately, when we think about it, and if we can get them to realize this, we all have sinned. Mm. Right. Therefore, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, not directly, but indirectly, everyone who has ever sinned, we're bringing bad things into the world. We don't blame God for that. Right. That's. I think that's one of the two, in, in, in my experience, the two biggest roadblocks, just intellectually or emotionally, that atheists and agnostics have, is the problem of evil, that how yes. does this mm-hmm. happen, and then right. divine hiddenness, which mm-hmm. is, if God exists then why doesn't he reveal himself in a more empirical way, a right. way that I can mm-hmm. experience with my senses, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I want to say, as we, I know we're running out of time, but I said a minute ago that the goal is to get to the attic, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the goal is actually to get on the roof, and that yeah, is right. where we're together um, looking at the stars and praising the God who put them there and singing and praying to him. Amen. And I'll say to Chase's point, go read the book of Job. Yes. <laughs> yeah. that, that'll cover all of that. Oh, yep. Start yeah. with the book of John, too. Yeah. yeah. There you go. to be converted. Yeah. Right. That's right. Well, guys, really enjoyed this discussion, and hopefully it's been, been beneficial for all those who have tuned in. And so, again, we want to thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, again, we hope that you'll continue to be with us this year as we think about scattering the seed. Hope this has been helpful for you. May God bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.